lion is the cream of the fight, rising up to the power of a rival. What's up, Beef Talk fans? This is Beef Talk 14. Did everyone watch the Bills game last night? That was a crazy game. We've got a lot of football to talk about this week. And we've gotten our guest, Ryan, and our co-host, Drew. Ryan, we're going to start with the first question about the Bills, obviously. What do you say about their performance last night against New England? Ryan, there? Uh, yeah, so... My overall rating of them, or by unit, by defense, offense, and special teams. Take do it. Off. Do whatever you feel like. All right, we'll do a little bit of both. So I think that the defense played pretty well, not their best, um, but played enough to win a game. Okay. And I think that the offense um, was a massive disappointment, and surprisingly enough, that disappointment was not at the hands of Josh Allen. Well, it was kind of on the wind. I I think that Josh Allen did a pretty good job dealing with the wind and with the horrible, horrible protection that he had with a fully healthy line. Um, I think that the Bills really need to consider what guard or tackle they want in the first round and not what position they're going to get. So you wouldn't even consider a cornerback or something like that. You'd really go for offensive guard or something like that. Oh, yeah. I think that that is the Bills' number one need next to defensive tackle. As you, as I'd like to bring up with defense, that Damian Harris' 66-yard touchdown run is unacceptable. 100%. Um, you, you, you had it happen to you against Der- with Derrick Henry and the Titans, and that cost you the game because Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano don't know where to fill a gap. I, so, uh, like Honestly, though, when you watched both of those like runs... With Harris and Henry, what we we saw that was so critical is that in both situations the safety blitzed, and there That's was no one left on, in back. on both runs, Micah Hyde was was on was in the slot, and on this one, Micah Hyde just got absolutely embarrassed. He was playing at linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's something I gotta add to this. When you when. It's you and a 270-pound Damian Harris one-on-one. I mean, what's the best you're going to do? Ryan, I think something we haven't discussed yet is Ramondre Stevenson. And he hasn't really been discussed enough. And I didn't even really know how good he was until I watched him last night. He's special. And Damian Harris as well. I didn't realize that tandem could actually be one of the best tandems in the NFL in maybe a year or two. I really see them as that kind of unit. When you have an offensive line that not only keeps your running backs afloat, it, they give them room. They completely embarrassed the Bills' defensive line last night, in my opinion. And they also did the same thing on the other side of the line. They embarrassed the Bills' offensive line. You guys have something to say about that, Ryan? Well, if it's not for Harrison Phillips, the Patriots have 500 rushing yards. Okay, that's, that's fair. Good. Yeah. Very good. Um, with that said... When you know it's going to be a run every time, why do you only put seven in the box? I'm asking Leslie Frazier that. Where's your ideology in that? Would you have suggested like eight in the box and one on on the outside? 
I would suggest it stack the box with Pat. Well, the problem is that can ex- exploit you, maybe. All right. If they decide to, like, pass one. Wait, th- with a rookie quarterback? I'll take wind? my chances. In the wind, too? Yeah, but if you leave a guy in single coverage, though, without yes, even but, anyone guarding him. Yes, but it was 40 miles per hour winds yesterday with 50 mile per hour wind gusts. So you have to realize here is that any of those passes, even if the receiver was so open, those re- those passes could have just so easily been blown right off target. We saw it happen so many times with the Bills. And something that really disappoints me with the Bills is that both times they lost at home, the past two times with the Colts and the Patriots, is that when they there has been inclement weather shown with rain and with snow, they have shown a complete ineptitude to adapt to their surroundings, to their own weather. They did not run the ball more. They kept passing. And it hurt them. We had, we saw how the Bills have only scored. They scored 10 points against the Patriots. They Because they kept passing. And it didn't work. We I know what you're going to say. They got into the red zone. But... They never as, converted. As, as I was saying... As I was telling you before this podcast. The main reason they lost. Not because of the wind. It's because... They couldn't capitalize on their easy-to-score possessions. When they were on the six-yard line, they let up a nine-yard sack. You know, Drew, Drew, I think that you're a psychic. You want to know why? Uh, That was the next thing that I was going to say, and probably my biggest issue with the game. I would went to sleep at least somber, knowing that the Bills gave it at least 75% of their effort and lost. But when you have three crucial drops in the game, it is unacceptable. On the first drive, four actually, on the first drive, it's third and six, and Josh Allen throws a pretty good ball to Dawson Knox. Mind you, it's not as chess, it's probably, I'd say, a foot outside of his... Body frame it, picks him in the hands, and he drops it. Punt, okay? Then, on the next drive, or maybe two drives later, Bills are on New England's 30, okay? After getting blessed, excellent field position from a shank punt. You want to know what the Bills do? Nothing. Matt Rita fumbles the football without getting contacted. It's kind of like how Mexican fumbled it in the Bengals game. And then New England drives it down the field. And scores an eight-point touchdown, two-point conversion. Mind you, though, when we're looking at the Patriots' offense this game, and how everyone's saying how much, how the much the Bills actually gave up on offense, which was like over two hundred fifty yards for rushing. I think you're leaving out the point is is that sixty-four of those yards. I mind you, they had like forty-three carries or something like that. Sixty-four of those yards was on one single run. Drew, when he just Drew I'm going to be frank with you here. I could give a shit about if it's 3,000 one-yard runs or it's five 200-yard runs, all right? The way that you let up these big plays or these small plays shows how little, what, how little ability you have to adapt. 
Well, Ryan, he, I want to I unpack a few things about the Patriots. First of which, they rushed for 222 yards last night on 4.8 yards per carry. Now, let's understand that Drew said it was a bunch of runs that were, like, a little bit longer. But that said, Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris kept on bursting through the line. That's the first point. Second point, the more important point. Bill Belichick outcoached Sean McDermott. Simply put, and the reason why is because he was able to adapt to the conditions and Sean McDermott was not able to. They were able to get into the red zone several times, as me and Drew just mentioned before. But the problem is the Bills don't know how to convert touchdowns. And this has become a problem in recent games where they get into the red zone and they have trouble scoring a touchdown. In this game, it could have been a field goal and we could have come back and scored another field goal. But that said, inclement weather blew it off. Bill Belichick knew that in order to win this game, you needed to pound the football up a Bills defense that is supposedly a great run defense, but it's ranked now 12th in the league after getting clobbered by the Colts, the Titans, and the Patriots now. It's fallen off its horse a little bit. That said, our passing defense is still first. Well, also, I never finished with the four drops. Now, I'm going to skip one because it's not really a drop, but you need to catch it when Dawson Knox has third and long and Adrian Phil punches it out. It's a terrific play by the safety, but I'm, t- I'm not going to compare Dawson Knox to Travis Kelsey, but Travis Kelsey makes that catch. All right? But we also have a healthy cat, that, Travis Kelsey. Well, does. Kelsey has made a lot of drops this year. He's right. first well, ranked on Chiefs and drops. My biggest issue with the game, and something that kept me up until 4 a.m., was how Stephon Diggs dropped the game winning score. Well, dropped, but it was a little bit off. In, oh, yeah, in God. fairness to him... Oh, sorry, it hit you in the forearms. Oh, are you, are you talking about the earlier game one or the one that he passed it? Okay, I, I got confused. In fairness to Diggs, he was looking over his head directly. It was not even to the side of The wind him. gusted it a little bit. It, it wasn't and really was a normal that, Yeah, pass. but the wind was blowing it all over the place. All right, so well, if you're looking backwards over your head... And the wind is blowing it all around you. It darted it down like a kamikaze. Very hard to realize where that ball is going to fall. Drew, you want to go back to the wind? Then let's talk about teams' ability to adapt. All right? I'm saying nine times out of ten, Kendrick Bourne makes that catch the way New England was prepared. All right? Listen, I don't care that it was windy. Yes, that makes it a lot harder of a catch. Allen delivered a beautiful ball, good enough, when you had separation for you to stay at your constant pace and for it to hit you in the forearms, okay? There is no exception for dropping that. If this is a practice squad receiver, maybe I give him a little bit of leeway, but this is the wide receiver one who gets paid over $10 million a year, all right? I mean, I I understand where you're coming from, but... I just, I can't say for certainty that he would have caught in nine times out of ten. I would not say that. Probably about six or seven times out of ten he catches that because of the weather. In a normal day, he catches that ten out of ten times. Yeah, but like, well, like especially when the angle is coming in. Get that to ten out of ten. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. And yes, I'm watching the game from my couch, and I'm not an NFL receiver. Stephon Diggs could kill me if he wanted to. 
but you need to make that catch. Well, Ryan, as a follow-up, actually. Season to play for the Bills if they end up missing the playoffs. 100% true. And, you know, it might actually cost us the division. Uh, But anyway, as a follow-up, I wanted to mention, do you think that the Bills' ineptitude to adapt into weather conditions at home could provide a problem uh, in the playoffs that said if they had a home home field advantage, maybe? Yes. You saw how it affected them against Baltimore last year. Lucky for us, it affected Baltimore even more. Okay. The Bills' offense was awful against the Ravens. That gets covered up because the Bills won their first divisional round game in 20-something years. All right? The Bills' offense was terrible in that windy Baltimore game. All right? Right. The Bills either need to learn how to play in their own conditions or they need to go to Terry Pagula's doorstep and get a $5 billion check to build the dome. (laughs) Well, Ryan, here's something that's important to know. When Tom Brady was on the Patriots and they had to play in several inclement games, do you ever notice that they were able to get through most of the time, at least a good 90% of the time in those games? That's because the Patriots, just they have a mental toughness that the Bills do not. And they also have a preparedness that the Bills do not. When Josh Allen is throwing passes that really aren't all that on target, some are like a little wide right, like that one to Stefan Diggs at the end of the game. I don't know. I, I didn't really have complete certainty in trusting Josh Allen while he was throwing the football last night. No, I'm not going to say that Allen played his best game, especially because of the conditions. But again, with Diggs, if it hits your hand, you need to catch the ball. Okay? And, and I'm going to leave it with that. Okay. I just have one thing, though, left. With Dable, if you see the weather conditions, how the passing game is not working all that time, why don't you switch to a more running game? If you see the Patriots... Because the Bills have been stuffed. Yes, but the Patriots Patriots had had the same problem. The Patriots were getting stuffed also in the running game. But they knew that, other than those a few long runs, they were mostly stuffed. I disagree with that. But we have to realize... Well, don't they only scored 14 points, two of which were on field goals. We have to realize here is that the Patriots realized that the, even though Mac Jones is a brilliant passer, that the passing game wasn't going to work because of the wind. But the Bills didn't, didn't realize that. For some reason, they're off on offense and defense, they did not want to change. And because of that ineptitude of changing, they failed. And they failed bad. True. I'm, I completely agree with you, but it's not. it doesn't come down to the Bills' wants. It comes down to what the Bills can do. And the Bills are very one-dimensional on offense, and they cannot win a game running the ball. Well, that's because they choose to be one-dimensional. And, like, you have to understand that they don't even normally run the football. So they normally exclude it from their entire game. Josh Allen... Actually, this is important to know. He needs more runs. I'd open gap. Rather than Josh Allen throwing a 50-50 ball. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. If you don't even include the run in your game, then teams already know what you're going to be on offense. They already know that you're going to be like, oh, we're going to pass it stuff on digs. We'll do some slants to Cole Beasley. But 
they have an understanding of what you are before you even show up. There's no element of deceivedness. Bills ran the ball a lot in the first half and it was extraordinarily unaffected. This game should have not been as close as it was. If Nikhil Harry has any sense of the football, this is a blowout. That's fair. All right. And to say that the Bills only lost by four is a blessing. You know, that's a great way to end this topic, actually. We're going to move on to the next one. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Lions here. Have the Lions finally turned things around after showing that they can close out a game? And I'm going to start with Drew here. (sighs) Those Lions, they... Good job, guys! You finally did it! You finally proved that when you're at the last part of a game, you can get it done. Good job. I'm giving you the credit. Now I'm telling you, do it again. Please do it again. Don't fuck it up again. We've seen how many times, three times this season that you've lost on a game-winning field goal. Yes, that one with Justin Tucker you could not have prevented no one saw that coming. That's not your fault. It's Justin Tucker. He's superhuman. But in these types of situations, you have to start outscoring the other team to where they cannot win on a game-winning field goal. You cannot bring it down to the wire every single game. Your defense has to improve in the fourth quarter. Because even when the Vikings game, this is its game that they just won. They were lucky that they even got to that point because they let up a Vikings touchdown with a minute and change to spare. That can't happen. That late in the game, you cannot let up a touchdown. Well, hold on. They went for fourth on their own 30-yard line. But, Drew, you also have to realize that you're criticizing a 1-10-1 team like they're a Super Bowl contender. Ryan, you stole my words. Because, look, the Lions could have had at least four or five wins this season had they been able to close a game. Uh, yeah, but they That's saying a shown... lot, though. The Bills should have also yeah. had a few more wins had they been able to close games. But no, but teams the Lions really had that opportunity. In four out of those five games, or at least of them, they were very much up in those games before they allowed the offense to come right down the field in the last minute and score a field goal. Or in the Steelers' case, kick a field goal that doesn't even... a 49-yard field goal that doesn't even get to the crossbar. That can't happen. You have to be able to close games when you can close them. Now that they finally did, they need to try to do it again. They need to do it again. Not try, they need to. They need to have their defense really step it up. Because their offense, when they put, when their offense puts them in good situations, they can't let their defense blow in the last minute of the game. It just can't happen. I somewhat agree and somewhat disagree with you, but I'm going to let Ryan go first. Drew, do you believe that the Lions can make the playoffs this year? Yes or no? No. All right, then stop criticizing them the way that you are. Why? Because... But what, is it, what do they stand to the game, though? It's not By them bad. winning a few more games and then putting them out of the, like, the first overall pick? It's... It's not, Why? It's not that. Because, look, the Texans already have two wins. And and, basically, and also, because the Lions... I, I, look. If the, the Lions win, they're out of the number one pick. True. And they, another are, team loses. Yeah. Okay, so... Okay, so... Because they have the tie. All right, that is true. But, okay, but let's just say... Okay, even if the Lions don't want to win. 
if they don't. They can do a Jaguars like last year and just blow it blow it when the Jets like screwed it up. They can. But if like if Dan Campbell really wants to keep his job, he might want to start trying to pull some tricks. Hold on, I'm gonna stop you right there. Dan Campbell, right. I think, has actually done an excellent Look, job with that. I Lions. believe that also. But I'm not sure if the Lions management believes that. Well, why wouldn't they? Oh, sorry. sorry. We have the haunted house. Jim's <laughs> <laughs> gives, gives tab at the moment. All right. Drew. Drew. The way that you are looking at the Lions is with these constant if-then situations. And the only way that I think that I can get you to see that this is not a feasible life, he's saying if the queen had balls, he'd be the king. All right? It does not matter if the Lions would have won the Baltimore game. They did not. He's just hypothesizing about what could have been, but that's not important. And I, I agree with you, Lion. Uh, here's the thing. The Lions are a bad football team. There's just no way around it. They're a bad football They're team. They're not the worst. They have a bad quarterback in Jared Goff. Yeah. They have a mediocre, and that's being very nice, running game. They have an up-and-coming receiver in Amon Rossdain Brown who caught the touchdown. I love him, by the way. I thought the Bills should get him, by the way. That's, that's just a point. Secondly, the Lions' defense is terrible. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not denying that. Saying that defense is an NFL defense is almost blasphemy. <laughs> Let's just start it is there. Blasphemy. It is you know, not this is the instance where I would wish that the NFL would have the number thirty-two team play the number one college team and see who is truly better. I would love that, honestly. Alabama versus versus the Lions. I don't think Alabama would win, obviously. But are you sure? Yeah, the Lions aren't that bad. They are. Bad. They are really bad. But I think, honestly... No, but they're competitive in I every think, game. I think Alabama would honestly have a better chance against Houston than the Lions. The Lions have a way of making it close. The Texans have a way of making it a blowout. And not on the right side of the blowout, man. Yeah. Like, put, in they Davis, the, put in Davis Mills. You they just lost to the Colts 31 nothing with Tyrod and Mills both playing. That's not sure. good. Sure. But, Listen... Although it would be fun to watch Alabama play Detroit, I highly, you know what, I bet you my kidney that the Detroit Lions would be not a first-year quarterback, a zero, and I know that's not a word, your quarterback in Bryce Young. I'm not saying, I said, I said Detroit would probably win that game. I said the Alabama would probably stand a better chance against the Texans. Then no, and with the Texans, right. I think that there would have to be at least five significant injuries on the NFL's team if they were to get beaten by Alabama. But anyway, forget about beating it, even a close game. This is this is all hypothetical. Agree, and there's no reason to be hypothetical about the Lions' season. And we've been very blunt with it; they've had a bad season. But I think it's overall, I'm not too worried about them. I think they're in a better place than the Jaguars were last year when they had the number one overall pick. No, Drew, let me raise you a question. Raise what it. do you think the Lions record will be next year? Lions? I think that with like an addition of Aiden Hutchinson like in the first round or Kayvon Thibodeau as like the top, one of the top picks. I'm then, a big fan of Thibodeau. 
What was that? I am two billion percent Thibodeau over Hutchinson, but go on. It, it, I don't care. It's because Hutchinson's from. It, it plays at Michigan. They might, might want to get him. Like I'm not. I'm not arguing over which one will go first. That's not the. That's not the uh, question. I, no, I I'm just that, saying that no. they'll get a top edge, and then with like the one of the the other first round pick they have, they might get a QB. I'm not sure who that will be, but it will probably be Overgoff, eventually at least. But I see the Lions at least by next year. Having like four wins, maybe right, five um, at most. I'm gonna give him three, and so one tie. Set the ground at three, <laughs> and the ceiling at six. Okay, right. I agree with that. And we'll see. I say I'd stick we'll closer to the lower end, though. Hey, how many did you say? I said three and a tie. Hey, how many did you say? He said between three and six. All right, that that's a big range, but okay. So, let's come back to this podcast next year. And see if the Lions exceeded our expectations, met our expectations, or completely screwed with our expectations. So, in other words, like the screwed with our expectation is just being the Lions. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we're gonna move on to our next topic, and this is gonna be about Taysom Hill. Should the Saints regret signing Taysom Hill to the ninety-five million dollar contract? Yes, 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 and yes. Oh, Jesus Christ. You wish to elaborate on that? I will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I will. Uh, uh, I have a friend who's a Saints fan. He's, the, he's out of court. And on the day of the sign, I, tr- I just t- asked him, Listen, what is your man doing? If there is a position on the field called flex, then I say Taysom Hill is worth the money. But there is not. Taysom Hill threw four interceptions against an interception-hungry defense in the Cowboys. Now, I will say, I'm a big fan of Taysom Hill, getting 20.6 fantasy points when Tyler Murray was out. But still, he is not an NFL-caliber quarterback. If you want to say that he's a starting quarterback, then tell me Jared Goff is a starting quarterback. Tell me Davis Mills is a starting quarterback. Because I think that they are over heavy quarterback level. Well, here's the thing. Taysom Hill, I agree with you. I think he's maybe a second stringer, and that might be being kind. He's just... uh, overall, he doesn't have that ability to say, he is my guy. I don't believe in him when I see the Saints say, well, we're going to put him in. We're, we like him more than uh, whoever, Trevor, like Trevor Simeon or something like that. Overall... I'm... That was a stupid move by the Saints. And to me, he's... What does he bring? He's a wildcat. He's like the Raquel Welsh of the Saints. He's not like the... He's not the guy who's gonna, like, absolutely destroy you. But he's the guy who can get meaningful gains on offense. However, those gains are not at the quarterback position. They're more at the tight end position. Raquel Welsh? You'd get it if you watch Seinfeld more often. Oh. Drew, let's go into a hypothetical situation here. Alright? <laughs> Say the Saints trade up in the draft and take, and take, um, God, the name's right now, mate. Matt Corral. Caleb, God, last name, what is it? I, hey. co- I couldn't even hear you at all. What's the QB's name? Caleb what? No, no, so. Oh, oh Matt Ca- Corral. We, yeah. Oh, no, Matt, Matt Corral, yeah. I Matt think you were Corral. thinking of Caleb Williams. He's not up for draft this year. Yeah. Listen, 
So he, he's mean the year after. In like uh, 24, I want to say. Saints trade up and take Matt Corral. Just hypothetically. It's a very good idea. I'm not idea. crazy about Matt Corral. No, but it's uh, a good idea for the moment. No, I, forget, forget that. How about Kenny Pickett? Uh, I think the Steelers will draft him before bro, the Saints. Bro. Now say Matt Corral goes down with a knee injury. Saints are down by two with a minute 30 left and one timeout, and they're at their own 30. Do you trust Taysom Hill to win the game? No. I don't trust Taysom Hill in any game. That's true. Yeah. Hold on, one second. If they're playing the Lions, I trust them. Because well, yeah, the, the Lions, Lions are just a disgusting the Lions. But or the Texans. against any competent NFL team, I wouldn't trust them with anything. I wouldn't trust them with my Butterfinger bar. <laughs> <laughs> Why Butterfingers? <laughs> I like Butterfingers. Stand <laughs> it, You of all people should know that. Come on. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. What's that implying? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Ryan, do you have something to add? Um, I mean, I think that I made it pretty clear. Jason Hill is not an NFL caliber starting quarterback. If you want to go to the CFL and sell 100,000 jerseys, by all means, go for it. But he is not NFL caliber. Agreed. Uh, by the way, Ryan, you have no right to make fun of me with any sort of candy because of the fact that you're making Heath bars right now. So you do not have a single right to say anything about me and Butterfingers. Let's make that one thing very clear. Bruce, do you want a Heath bar? I, of course, I would like a Heath bar, but I don't. I'm, I don't have. I don't remember leaving the last time I even had one. So they're very good. <laughs> do you want a Heath bar? Have a Heath bar. I like Heath bars. Go travel just, like over an hour to his. This house. podcast hit hundred thousand likes. I will give one of these Heath bars to one lucky listener. <laughs> All right. All right. You know we're gonna move on to our next topic. I'm gonna be talking about the Dolphins here. Are the Dolphins playoff bound or another eight? Seed team like last year. Um, I think they'll be an eight seed or something like that because like the Dolphins are a good team. No one's denying that, but I think they just turned it on too late. I think that they may turn it on just in time, um, and not for the reason you may think, not for being a playoff contender. I think that they turned it on just in time. If everything works out. For the Bills to get the number one seed. You wanna know why? Go ahead. Say the Bills go four and one in this stretch. Alright, they lose to Tampa Bay. And then they beat New England, Atlanta, Carolina, and the Jets. That's a heavy ask. Heavy ask, but say that happens. New England would lose to the Bills and possibly Miami week eighteen. Okay. And that's where I see the only case scenario where the Bills can clinch the number one seed and the Dolphins could clinch the number seven seed. Well, here's the thing. If the Patriots beat us, any hopes of that are pretty much dashed. Uh, if the Patriots and Buccaneers beat us, good luck finding a playoff spot. Wow, you'd say that they're out. Bills need to go four and one. Wow. It's really and, that dark. Well, if you think about it, they would have ten wins. Is that right? If there's in the final five games, they're right now seven and five. Well, no, in a four-one situation, they would have eleven wins. 
But, like, we, and they would be 11 Wait, and 7. Oh, sorry, my bad. I, I miscalculated. Well, at least we had hold on. There's 7 and 5 right now. Actually. I was I was saying in a 3 and 2 situation. They, okay. w- they would be seven, they would be 10 and... Uh, okay. They'd be 10 and 7. Right. So, 10 and 7. Then you have the Chargers, the Bengals, the Colts, possibly the Browns, maybe the Steelers. I mean, the Raiders, the Broncos. Maybe. It is a tight race. Like... Here's the thing, though, with, like, the Broncos, the Bengals, the Raiders, all of them, all those teams, the Chargers, too. They're all so incompetent, all so inconsistent, that they can't keep up a winning streak for the life of them. Even if it's against a bad team, they keep losing and winning and alternating. Drew, I hate to break your heart, but a lot of incompetent teams make the playoffs every year, especially with the seventh seed. And if you have a team as incompetent, as the Buffalo Bills, and as inconsistent as the Buffalo Bills, I'm not sure if they are a playoff game. Would you go as far to say is that the Bills are more or less consistent than, like, the Bengals or the Chargers? Like, yeah. who do you give on a head-to-head? When you lose to the worst team in the NFL and the Jacksonville Jaguars, without significant injury, there is no excuse. When you lose by... 25 points to the Indianapolis Colts. There is no excuse. When you lose a very important division game due to having a lack of adaption, there is no excuse. And that is why the Bills are very inconsistent and incompetent. Well, uh, no excuses there. I can't even say I'd give the head-to-head to the Bills over like, the Bengals. I wouldn't even say the... I'd give it to the Bills over the Chargers, but... I don't even know what's going to happen in a game with the Bills or the Bengals or something like that. Everyone could be, like, doing so great. We could have the best pass defense in the league, best run defense in the league if we really felt like it. Or we can just give up another 250 yards. I mean, that's what every team say. Um, Yeah. Now, the saddest thing is about the Bills is just watching them. They have not played their best game this year at all. I disagree. They played their best game against the Texans. They peaked too early. You mean the Texans game when they were only up 19 to nothing with like eight minutes to go in the fourth? When they were making constant mistakes when Josh Allen had picked on the first play of the game? Well, time out though. Their defense allowed the Texans to have how many points? It was as many points as a glazed donut would tell you. Zero. Okay. All right. Now, let's, let's just say something else. The Bills, through the first three or four weeks, had the most dominant defense I've seen in a long time. And I'd even compare it in... Actually, no, I, f- I figured out a better game. When the Bills beat the Chiefs, that was the key game. Before our downslide. The, instead, of, Forget the Texans game. That game showed what we really stand for. When we're on. How fun it was to go... To like the 15 Chiefs fans in my school the Monday after we beat them. No idea. And that rush that I had going into Tennessee, I thought we were winning the Super Bowl. Then it came down. Now I question if we're going to be able to contend for it. We're about to contend to the Super Bowl. How about get to the playoffs first and then talk about that? We're the seventh seed. Seven seed for now, but you also have Indy, uh, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, 
Um, trying to think. Raiders, Broncos? You have a lot of teams. That were winnable. There are a lot of very good teams in the AFC this year. But yeah. just no true contender. I believe that's... that's... The supposed to take. I believe that seeds 12 or 13 and up are all 500 or better. Well, the problem is there's no real standout. I'd say that the New England's very good, but I wouldn't say that they're the best team in the league or by any stretch of the imagination. They're fourth or so, I, in, honestly. What's up? Ryan, you there? Yeah, yeah, sorry. I cut out. The Patriots are not the best team in the NFL whatsoever. Oh, agreed. Think- but the problem is we're not top-heavy in our conference. It's kind of a little shaky here. We'll have a team that is very decent, but I wouldn't give them anything. Like, for example, the Bills. They're a team that will show amazing flashes that, oh, we're the Super Bowl contender. And then the next day you're going to be like, are they actually a playoff team? Did I really think they were a playoff team? So, I think there's probably about four or five teams in the AFC in the playoffs that we can say that for. Drew, you want to move on? I will. So, but the last thing about the Chargers, though. If the Chargers kick it in and show what they actually play for. The team that played against the Chiefs earlier and won this year then I can see them really being a threat in the playoffs. But they have shown time and time again that they are inconsistent and they can lose very easy games to win. Like against Denver, Denver was not playing well. They were not at all. And they looked horrible. Horrible. But then they went up against a much better Bengals team. And they looked dominant in the second half. Absolutely dominant. Because they, they worked off of the Bengals' mistakes, and they they made it work. And it was the same thing but in the first part of the game, but before the Bengals started scoring. But then we could see inconsistency, where they let the Bengals up 22 unanswered points. That can't happen. And then they went back up on again. Like, if they have that dip in the middle of the game, where their team just, like, stops... That can be crushing if they don't get it on very fast. Here's the thing. The Chargers have immense potential. And I'm going to start with Justin Herbert. And I wasn't a huge fan of him coming out of college, truthfully. I thought Tua was the better quarterback. And granted, when you go to a team that in L.A., you're probably going to have some better overall targets because just the money involved. First of all, you got Keenan Allen, who is a great wide receiver in this league. You've got Mike Williams, who's another great wide receiver in this league. So right there, I've provided you two great wideouts. Second of which, then you have a running back in Austin Eckler that can absolutely get the job done. Granted, he's also overworked. But the Chargers, when on, are actually a mid-playoff team. When they're off, they're just a 500 team. Ryan? Um, well... To go back to what you said about Austin Eckler, I mean, I watched that Cincy game. I was rooting for the Chargers because I thought that we were beating New England. So, just watching Austin Eckler fumble the ball twice 
is a massive red flag. Now, I'm not going to let that take away from how stunning he runs or how graceful his cuts are. But if you want to be a top three running back in the NFL, you need to cut out those buttons. Come on, Drew. So let's move on here. So let's. I want to talk about another inconsistent team that has just played a horrible game against another very inconsistent team in the Ravens. Will the Ravens' low-scoring offense cause them to lose the AFC North? This has been a question that has just been ringing in my head for the past many games because we have seen game and game again. I think this is like for the third or fourth game in a row where the Ravens haven't scored over 20 in a game. Okay. Or at least 20. And that is not good at all for their standing. Can I tell you who the Ravens remind me of, actually? They're like the Seattle Mariners of the 2020 season. You know how they had the lowest point differential in the league by a winning team, but they still scored away with plenty of wins. That's the Ravens this year, and I think it's going to finally catch up to them. They are not going to actually win this division. It... I I cringe when I say this, but it's probably going to be Cincy if they wake up and actually finish the season strong. There's just no strong Drew, team in that division. Drew, what week do the do the um, Ravens play Cincinnati? Because I know they already played them earlier in the season. And they got involved. crushed. 41-17, that was the game. Uh, yep. but let's but what see. Play again? I'll check right now. I haven't even thought about that. So let's see. Because like because we've seen the Ravens in past games, other than the Steelers, like against the Browns, also when Lamar threw four interceptions, scored sixteen points. That cannot happen. That is ridiculous. Well, here's the thing: Lamar looks a little uncomfortable, and when I feel like the Ravens are restricting him in what his abilities really are. He needs to run more because that is his best attribute. When you're just having him play like a pocket passer and he's struggling, you're not suiting him to what his best game is. So the Ravens really just need to discuss that internally about how to fix that from Lamar Jackson's perspective. Now, secondly, the Ravens offense, if they're going to find any footing, has to get the running game going. And with injuries, sure, that's very difficult, but... What they do best when they're winning games is they pound the run. And I don't see that happening this year. And the Ravens have a very tough schedule coming up. Next week, Browns. 19th is the Packers. Then 26th is the Bengals game at Cincinnati. Then the second is the Rams. Then the finish off with the ninth is against the Steelers. Wow, that's a very that's a end. very tough schedule. I have and, no faith in them finishing it. Then they might lose four out of five there. Yeah, they very well could miss the playoffs. As I'm looking at that, if they lose those games, I I do not see them being the Rams. I do not see them being the Packers. I definitely don't see them at their current rate being the Bengals. Well, the Steelers, like, Steelers might maybe that's going to be a close game. Browns, same thing. Maybe I have them beating the Browns there. Yes, but I, it was, we just saw another very close game. I think they'll win, but it's going to be close. But what you have to realize here is that... None of them are gimmies. Bengals, Steelers, Browns, they're very close. They're right on the Ravens' tail. They're two games behind each. Yeah. It's, the Bengals are one. If the, if the Ravens lose 
two out at least two of those games, they're in trouble real fast because the Bengals will be right there licking their lips for the division. And I don't know that didn't mean you lick your lips, but <laughs> like it, it it's too close for the Ravens to be incompetent now. They really need to pick it up. If they don't, their division and your playoff hopes could very well be lost. Well, we're going to move on to one last football topic before we end and go to college football. But we're going to be talking about the no-named Washington team. Are they a real threat to the Cowboys in the NFC? I'm going to start here. Well, I reckon that they will not be. (laughs) And the reason is, is because they have Taylor Heineke, who is a lower-level quarterback as their passer. Second of which, they've got an okay defense that's taken... Several steps farther backwards than they were last year. They're on the rise, but a wave will crush them. The Cowboys will come back to what they were. They had a old disappointing stretch, but now they got C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper back, and there's absolutely no reason to wonder of why they go back down again. Well, are you saying that they would only pose a threat to the Cowboys, or they would pose a threat to the playoff race in the NFC? Both. I was talking about specifically to the Cowboys, but... Both. They're right now. Ranked, you're not wrong. They're right now. They're ranked, I believe, seventh seed in the NFC right now. They probably you could know, make the playoffs. They very well. You know, can. call me crazy, but it's I crazy. think that the football team has a decent chance of winning a wild card game. They can. I, that's not crazy. Yet. You left me a little I, speechless there. I I couldn't even think of what to say there for a second. But I can't say you're necessarily wrong either. They could. I mean, technically, last year. In Taylor Heineke's first game, they give the Bucks a very real run. And they the beat the Bucks earlier this year. I would love to see a Heineke versus Brady part three. After Brady beat Heineke the first time, after Heineke just beat Brady in the regular season. Yeah, but that's the regular season, though. If you think about it, Brady might lose a few during the regular season, but he always gets it done when it matters most. And that's why he has seven rings and why Buffalo has... Zero. <laughs> well, they should have at least had one with that Norwood kick against the Giants. But they Let me repeat. Zero. <laughs> and I said earlier, capitalization is key. And they don't have that. Right? Um, yeah, you're not wrong. But I also, Tom Brady almost lost to the football team last series. Very lucky that the refs gave him two beautiful roughing the passer calls. And a terrific delay game call when there's two seconds left against the football team. So I'm not saying that's the ref's fault that Tampa won, but... You know, Tom doesn't make stupid mistakes against bad teams, though. If you think about it. Like he I'm always manages to get through those types of games. Do you ever see Buffalo get through those types of games consistently? No. And not to drag the conversation into Buffalo. I'm just trying to make a little comparison there. Well, Dylan, there's, well, there's a few... Texans, Dolphins in the beginning of the year. The Jets. The Jets. Who they played later this year, the week 18. The Jets. Yeah, the Jets have crashed. They're done. Forget that. The Jets are done. Guys, I'm I'm going to have to go out of the podcast soon. So I want to end it with a high note. Did you guys hear what Joe Buck said to Peyton Manning last night? I didn't see. All right, I will narrate it for you. So Peyton Manning says to Joe Buck, Hey Joe, when y'all have the blowout game, 
do you ever wish you could have a guest on there that you and Troy Aikman could interview? And Joe Buck responds with, yeah, you know, the last time I thought about that was when you guys played Seattle in the Super Bowl. Ooh! (laughs) Ooh! (laughs) Jesus, he really burned them there. Joe Buck does not play around. (laughs) No, he does not. What was Peyton's response to that? Uh, laughed. He probably laughed. <laughs> he was probably a little uncomfortable with that. Uh, a little? <laughs> I would be. <laughs> a little? <laughs> I'd be. Just comes out and says, oh, well, the last time I thought about it was that when you lost the Super Bowl. I'd be, right. I'd be a bit offended, honestly. Alright, well, speaking of the, world, of the word little, I think that it brings up a great way to describe the Bills' chances of winning the division. So, I'm out. Good luck. <laughs> Go Bills. Alright, we'll see you next week, Ryan. Alright, so as 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 one Bills one Bills and NFL fans leave the college the time to go down to the college football time starts. And that comes to our first question and one that is probably on everyone's minds right now. Who is gonna win the college football playoff? And you got Alabama, Cincinnati in the first, in the one semifinal in the Orange. I believe in it's known the Cotton Bowl in the Orange Bowl, Michigan, Georgia. We just saw Alabama throttle Georgia in the SEC championship. We saw Michigan absolutely run over Iowa and defeat Ohio State. We also have seen Cincinnati play extremely well during this this year. But what we have to consider though is does Cincinnati have what it takes to beat Alabama or Michigan or Georgia in a in a hypothetical final or just Alabama in this semifinal. Yes, they beat Notre Dame, but is Notre Dame is not even close to what the level of Alabama is. So the main question here is if Cincinnati can possibly win, how would they be able to do it? That's something on everyone's minds. It's not on my mind. Well, it's on mine. So how about about you answer the question? uh, First of all, I'm going to get to the question that was asked first, and then I'll get to your question. All right. Thank you very much. I hate to say this because I'm a Clemson fan, but it's going to be Alabama. And I'll tell you why. We're going to start off with the reason that Alabama's offense performs in the clutch. Never seen Georgia's offense do that this year. And I don't think I'll ever see it happen this year. Georgia got exposed by Alabama last week to the point where I was embarrassed watching that game. Just an embarrassing show of performance by Georgia Bulldogs. They'd be ashamed of themselves. Second of which, Michigan. They beat Ohio State and won their first championship for the first time in like 20 years. Why should I have confidence in them? Because they've got a good defense? Can that offense repeat that unbelievable rushing performance that they showed against Ohio State? And can Cade McNamara put up a clinic against Alabama? You have to ask those or questions. Georgia first. One, one second, one second. That's true. That's true. But, and there's Cincinnati. Do you think Cincinnati's defense will hold Alabama? No. Why? Why should they? So, the Crimson Tide, out of all those teams have the least holes, and that's why they're going to win. 
the only team that legitimately had a chance, if you ask me, is Ohio State, and they're not playing this. That's really the reality of the situation. You need fire to beat fire. And there's no fire to beat the fire. There's just ice. You know, out of all the years that you've watched college football, never once have I seen you, like, have complete defeat on the idea of Alabama winning the championship. That is complete false. I'll no, tell you because why. all the times that Clemson has been there, that's always taking Clemson's side. I have never... Uh, that's what actually, are you? That is so not true. What actually. are you talking about? Drew, hold on, hold on. Let's let's just go back to the point here. In every single championship that Alabama has been, I've favored them. That is so not true in any single way. Oh, that is. I like Clemson oh more. Oh my god! I love god, Clemson. That is bullshit. I love Clemson more. Oh my. Of course. God. But I'm not Alabama. About, I'm not talking about the championship. I'm just talking about from the start of the playoffs. I don't remember a time where well, you... Well, because I don't, I don't like Alabama, Al- I, I don't but I favor the- them every time. That's actually not true at all. Ah. They're just Alabama. I, they're so hard to beat. When you have ah. Nick Saban as your head coach, there's no way that you can be defeated, really, more than once per season. I just don't see it. Well, despite our differencing views, I'm happy to hear you say it. On the other hand, as I'm going to try to get to my point... You were right. Alabama does have the least I was, uh, I was hoping that you would disagree. <laughs> Why would I disagree? I'm an Alabama fan. That's not the question. And not only that, no, but Alabama, as I'm trying to get to my point, Alabama clearly has the least holes, especially after showing against Georgia. It shows that their offense, yes, it's, their defense is not what it used to be. It's not. But it was enough to hold Georgia. We know that for a fact. Georgia is very unlikely to win this championship. Then we got to shift our idea to Cincinnati. Does Cincinnati, who's a group five team, may I add, have any chance against an SEC team, nonetheless Alabama? Not a great one. Not a great one. And Michigan. Michigan, I see, has the best chance of against Alabama. They and do, and it's not because I like it. Yeah. So, Michigan's defense is incredible. I'm not taking anything against them. The only way I would see any team, because they're all three defenses other than Alabama's, are incredible. Now, especially at the line. Now, the only way I could see Michigan possibly winning against Alabama is if Michigan pulls an Auburn. And not the point where they blow it in the fourth overtime, or just at the end of the game in general, where you put your face in a bowl of soup. I'm talking about the part where Aiden Hutchinson gets into the backfield a lot. And well, he got three sacks in that last game. That's Ohio State. what I am saying. If Michigan is able to do that, Aiden Hutchinson is able to do that, then... I would have to see it against Georgia first, but then it would take it would make me have to rethink my entire thoughts because Alabama against Auburn barely scored, and they, it was a poor showing at best. But I do think Alabama, from the outlook, has the best chance of winning. We're gonna move on to our next question, and it's me about the New Year's Six Bowls, and I have a lot of games I'm excited about for this. But I'm gonna start with Drew here. Which New Year's Six Bowl game are you most excited about? 
Outside the playoffs, obviously. Yeah, I know. Um, well, you've got Baylor playing against... Uh, Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Then you've got... Um, There's Ohio- Oklahoma, Oklahoma State Oklahoma versus, State versus Notre, Dame. Notre Dame. You've got Ohio State versus Utah. And uh, I'm forgetting the last one. Um, but, oh, look. But the idea, what I'm thinking here, I'm probably... Going to have to get it. So Baylor was playing uh, Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Uh, I mean, and Oklahoma State's playing who? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. I mean, those two games are probably going to be the best ones for sure. I, I probably have to give the edge to um, probably to uh, Baylor Ole Miss. Because Ole Miss has shown that they can keep up with a team like Alabama. Very long. They have an amazing offense. And then Baylor just beat Oklahoma State. They are nothing to be messed with. Well, here's the thing. Very good team. It all depends on who actually stays and who goes into draft eligibility. And they'll start doing workouts. So, that said, excluding that factor, just from what we know now. I'd say that the best game is going to be Oklahoma State versus Notre Dame. But it's much closer than I thought it was going to be. I was actually very, very excited to see Utah playing Ohio State because Utah has looked like a force. With the exception of them losing a few games in the beginning of the year, they have looked like a college football playoff team in the past nine or so games. So I am very excited to see that game. But that said, Oklahoma State was one yard away from potentially being in the conversation for the college football playoff. And then you have Notre Dame, who is a, a very proud program, to say the least. And now they have Marcus Freeman as the new head coach. And Brian Kelly already left for LSU. So I'm going to see, well, how can Freeman prepare for this game? What does he have as a head coach? And granted, it's, it's not enough time. But I'd like to see what he's got during the four or so weeks that he's got to prepare. So, I looked it up, and the final the final New Year's Six Bowl, I think, like, I'm not sure if it's the Citrus Bowl or the Peach Bowl. It's either, I think I think it's, uh, well, the one on New Year's Day, which I'm probably going to say is probably the other New York Six, is um, Kentucky, Iowa, so probably yeah, that's really my good. belief in Baylor Ole Miss even further. But, like, like you were, as you were saying, so, like, but Baylor has shown, even against Oklahoma State, there was a very close game. But I am not confident in Notre Dame's ability to keep up with top teams. Because, like, they lost to Cincinnati. That was their one team they played against this year. I remind you, Nord- this is not the Notre Dame of last year. Oh, agreed. But they have been much improved since that loss, though. Yes. But every single year, and I stress this point so much, Every year that they make the playoffs, in the past few years also, they get swatted. They get destroyed. Clemson, Alabama, handed them their ass two years in a row. It makes me happy seeing Notre Dame. It lose. does. It's like watching the Cowboys lose. It just brings you joy. But but why do you have that, like the game that you had, over a game like Oklahoma State Notre Dame? It's or, not that. or like even the Ohio State Utah game for the Rose Bowl. Look. They're all amazing games. I'm not denying that. 
I'm saying which is the most exciting. It's because it's the one I believe will be the closest. And I believe oh. the Ole Miss game against Baylor will be that game. Well, hold on. I, I know I'm going to be a little bit of a hypocrite here. But if you have Matt Corral sub out and start draft eligibility, does that completely change your mind? Yes. Matt Corral is a heart and soul offense. So it becomes if, a, it becomes a moot game for you if if that happens. My my choice would switch to Oklahoma State Notre Dame, and I'll tell you why it's not Ohio State Utah, because we have seen Big Ten teams go against the Pac-12 in past years, and we all know it doesn't usually work out very out very well for the Pac-12 team. Because Big Ten is just such a much stronger conference. And there's nothing against Utah. They are a great team. They're not on the same level as Ohio State. They're not. Do you know that for a fact, though? I can tell We haven't seen it happen. Yes, but it's by the level of competition. It's about who's on the team. And you know Ohio State is one of the top teams in the country. Utah is also... But they are not on the same level, nor have they faced even close to the same competition. Well, let me tell you something. Utah locked up the Ducks two times. I, I'm not saying that they're wrong Locked them up. Oregon is not as good of a team as Utah. I'm not saying that at all. But Oregon and Utah, both similarly, would not, I don't think in any case, withstand a chance in the long term against Ohio State. Well, yes, like, Oregon won that game, but that was before C.J. Strood picked up. No, no, I was going to mention that Ohio State's offense is basically an NFL offense. Yes. If you think about it, that team on offense is arguably better than the Lions right now. Yeah, because I think it actually probably is. Yes, because, look, after that Oregon game against, against Ohio State, yes, you're going to say Oregon won, yes, that's, I'm being a hypocrite. But... It's what happened after that game. After Ohio State lost, C.J. Stroud kicked it in. And he is shown to be like a top two Heisman contender right now. He is incredible for Ohio State. The only game that he lost was to Michigan, who's currently the number two seed. That is it. And you got to remember, yes, Oregon's not there anymore. It's Utah. It's the same thing. Do they have the talent to be on the same level as Ohio State? And my answer is no. All right. You know, we're going to move on to our hot takes now. Just say who you think is going to win the game, and then we're going to move on to our next topic. Who will win Army versus Navy? Army, because Navy is ass. They're 3-8. I'm going to go with Army as well, because the same reason. Navy's just not a good football team. Um... We're going to move on to our last topic here. Who will be the next manager of the mess? This is also a hot take, I remind you. Buck Walter. And I'll tell you why, just real quick. It's because Max Scherzer wants him. And when Max Scherzer wants him, who's getting paid $43.3 million per year, it's probably going to happen, to be honest. Honestly, I never thought that it was a real possibility, but getting a first-time manager of the mess is the wrong idea here. And I didn't realize what it could bring to a new team. If you think about it, the Nets, that are all experienced, they're a title-ready team. I'm not saying the Mets are the same thing, but 
it's getting to be a closer idealistic thing. When you have Steve Nash, who's a first-time head coach coaching the Nets, it's a liability to the Nets. And if you think about it, the Nets are just carrying him based on good play. Now, Boone is another good example of this, where he was just a first-time manager, never coached before in his Given life. an ACL, ALCS team, and then every year, every year since then they've been a downward spiral. Yes, but that's also because of Cashman and Hal's ineptitude to make a, make a move at the deadline or during free agency that actually improves the team rather than spending huge money on bad contracts. Like Boone has not has not shown the like the like um the way like to actually make your team enthusiastic about their chances. Which is like I never actually answered the question fully and I'm gonna say Buck Show Walter based on recent momentum. But I can't say for certain that that's who it's gonna be. But for now we're gonna leave it at that. Anyway, next week we're going to see you guys on Beef Talk 15. And I remind you that tomorrow we're going to be making our next Spreads episode. So tune into that, please. We love having you guys on here, and we'll see you next week. Enjoy the football games. See ya.